But Ephesians chapter number six tonight, we'll look at verse number one all the way down to verse number 24 tonight. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. We could stop and preach for an hour there, young people. <laughs> they all said, please don't. That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Verse number four, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. We could stop and preach there for an hour. But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Verse number five, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ. We could stop. No, I'm just kidding. Now, with eyes, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With God, or with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same thing unto them, forbearing, threatening, Knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Well, that's a blessing. I'm not fighting against the Democrats tonight. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, the utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, that you also may know my affairs and how I do. Tychius, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all, the, all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that you might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to you, brethren, in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you again for tonight. We thank you, Lord, just for the wonderful service we've had already. Lord, thank you for just a wonderful time of prayer and a wonderful time of singing and the, Lord, the song service and the specials, Lord. Lord, they just work in our hearts. God, prepare us for the message tonight, Lord. And we just ask you, Lord, this evening, God, you take your word. God, make it real to us. Lord, help us to, to glean from it tonight, Lord, to write down and, and to take notes, Lord, that'll help us live our Christian life, Lord. And we just ask you tonight, Lord, you'd give us exactly what we need. Lord, would you empty me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the spirit of God tonight. Lord, would you make preaching, God, what you desire it to be this evening. And Lord, I'll give you the thanks and the praise for you just being so good to me. And thank you, Lord, for your holy name tonight. We love you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We've started here in Ephesians chapter one. We looked how we're in Christ and we, looked, we learned how in chapter two how we got in Christ by grace through faith and then we learned about how we're to, uh, our identity in Christ. Now that I'm in Christ, what does, how, do, how, how, how do I define myself? I'm a prisoner, I'm a, a partaker, I'm a pupil, I'm learning from the word of God. I'm learning to be like Christ in every area of my life 
And we learned about walking and having a walk that is worthy of the vocation that we've been called into. We, last week we looked about walking circumspectly, walking wisely in the Christian life. And now tonight, as, we, as we've learned how to walk, we've learned how to live uh, the Christian life, how to, how to walk the Christian walk, you could say it that way tonight. We're, in essence, tonight, we're gonna look at a, an action tonight that is the, the, the opposite of walking, but really, there's gonna come a time in your life where if everything slows down or the attacks come, or the, the dangers come or the devil himself begins to attack you and necessarily the, 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 the desire isn't necessarily just to keep walking but here Paul tells us we need to stand. There's gonna come a time in our life where we're gonna have to either am I gonna stand or am I going to fall or am I going to give in or am I gonna keep standing for the Lord. We see right there in verse number 10 there's this finally Paul said and Paul said I still got 14 more verses to go, but finally, as I'm wrapping this thing up, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Now, tonight, if I were to say, if you wanted to be strong in the Lord tonight, raise your hand. We'd all raise, I want to be strong in the Lord tonight. I want to be a, a great example of what the grace of God can do in somebody's life. I think it was D.L. Moody said, we said we've yet to see what, uh, the, the world's yet to see what can happen when a man fully gives himself to God, but I want to be strong in the Lord. I, not just for me and not just for you tonight, but for my family and for those around me and those that I associate with. I want to be a good example and a strong example of what the Lord can do in somebody's life. The Bible said, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. But then you go down to verse number 11. We are told to, that we're going to have to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse number 12, we're told to take on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand. And then I think verse number 13 says, or verse number 14, stand there for. And so we know tonight that in order to be a strong Christian or a strong in the Lord Christian tonight, there's going to be a requirement of standing. And it's not just standing, but standing strong. And so now we're looking at this thought of having a strong stance. Having a strong stance. Stance. Now, listen, we oftentimes we hear that having a strong stance and we, we categorize that as uh, what we have a strong stance against, right? I'm against this, I'm against that, I'm against this. And I'm not just a little bit against I'm all the way against it, so to speak. I've got a strong stance against that. But I want to think more about it this way of, of uh, it's important to have a good, strong stance. Well, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, there's this thing called body language. And the experts say just by how you stand will tell somebody whether or not you have confidence, whether or not you, are, uh, you have the belief or the, the gumption of what you're saying is really true. And you can just tell by somebody's stance by how they're standing. They say if you cross your arms that you're closed off, you don't want people to talk to you. They say that if you take your fingers like this and while you're talking, that means it's an authoritative thing. It means you know what you're talking about tonight. But we, it's important to have a strong stance. And a lot of times, that's a true thing tonight. If you can tell just by somebody's body language, whether they are in it or not, whether they're excited or not, whether they tell you one thing or not, you can step back and say, well, their body says something different. Their body language says something different. But I don't know too much about that, but I do know this in sports. It's good to have a strong stance. I, whatever sport it is tonight, it all normally boils back to having a good stance. 
I don't care which one it is, at some point or another, you go back to how you're standing, how your body is positioned, and if you get your body in the right way, then you have a good, strong stance, and, and you think about a wrestler, you know, if you go in there and you're not, you don't have a good, strong stance, you're going to get tackled, they're going to take you down to the mat and pin you, football, I remember being in my freshman year of high school, I was lined up in a, on the practice squad against the, one of the best linebackers in the entire state of Georgia, and they lined me up at tight end. I was, I think I was maybe like five, eight, five, nine at the time, uh, 140 pounds, 100 of that being my head. And I remember lining up and I, and I didn't have a good stance. They had just put me in the play. I had to borrow a helmet to get in and they had just put me in the play. I didn't put my hands up or nothing. I just stood there. That man said, hike, move the ball. I got to here. That linebacker took both his hands, put it up underneath my shoulder pads and threw me into the air. And I just fell back. Well, why? I didn't have a good stance. But I also remember playing baseball growing up when I was a pitcher and somebody walking to the, the, the batter's box and you could tell just by how they walked in and how they stood, whether or not they were confident or they were good at the game of baseball. They would walk in and they would just, you know, they kind of just stand there and a little scared. You could see it in their eyes. What would you do, preacher? Would you take it easy? Oh, no. I would, I would line up three fastballs as hard as I could throw them, as fast as I could know because I knew they couldn't catch up to it. They weren't, I could tell by their body language that they were just hoping that I'd throw four balls and they could walk. But then some guys would get in there and you could tell their elbow was in the right position, their eyes were in the right way, their head was turned the right way, their stance was balanced. And I looked at those guys and said, well, I hope my fastball's good enough because that's all I had. But I remember you could tell by someone's stance whether or not they were confident in what they were doing, whether or not they, 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 they understood what they were doing tonight. And here, the Bible's commanding you and I to stand strong in the Lord tonight. And how we stand makes a big impact in our Christian life. And what we stand for makes a in, big impact in our Christian life. And I want to encourage you tonight as we close up uh, Ephesians tonight to have a strong stance, a stance that is strong in the Lord, every Christian can have a strong stance by making sure to stand strong in the following areas. I'm gonna give you three areas tonight where we need to stand strong. And if we don't do anything else, if we don't, if we don't do anything else tonight, we're gonna to stand here and we're gonna stand strong by the grace of God. And I'm not gonna lay down, I'm not gonna back up, I'm gonna plant both my feet and by the grace of God, I'm gonna stand here till Jesus comes. Now notice tonight, I wanna to give you three of these. One, we must have a, stand, a strong stance in our service. We must have a strong stance in our service. We see here in verses one through nine a progression of service, right? It starts from the most elementary, the most basic level, and it works its way up to the, the highest authority, so to speak, or the, the authoritative position that you may uh, attain sometime in your life. But notice this, that our service, what we learn from the very basic elements and the very basic example of it is that, that service is tied to obedience, if we're going to be a good servant, if we're going to stand strong in our service for the Lord, it's going to take obedience tonight. Look at verse number one. Children, obey your parents. In the Lord, for this is right. This is the first verse that we teach all of our children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And so we see here the basic element that children obey your parents. And you go down to verse number five. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. And here's the thing tonight, well, you, you've got to get this, we've got to get this in our mind, get it settled in our hearts tonight, that obedience to God, obedience to God's word tonight is not an optional part of the Christian life. 
but rather it is an essential to the Christian life. And here's the thing tonight, not just that obedience is essential, but it's also the expectation. God expects you and I to be obedient to his word tonight and to what he's taught us to, just as you expect your children to be obedient to you and just as your boss expects you to be obedient to the contract that you signed when you uh, went there for employment tonight. So obedience is essential in the Christian life. It's uh, good service starts with obedience. Obedience doesn't just make good followers. Obedience makes great leaders too. But notice that not only does it start with obedience but then it shows us that when it comes to service, that in our service that we need to lead with integrity. We need to have leadership with integrity. You say, well, preacher, I'm not the pastor. I don't teach the Sunday school class. I'm not leading the choir. I'm not a leader, preacher. You may not be in a leadership position here at the church, but in some form or fashion, you are a leader somewhere to somebody. Somebody is following after you. Somebody is looking up to you. Somebody is watching you. And whether you realize it or not, you are leading them. Let me ask you tonight, where are you leading them? And how are you leading them? And here's the thing tonight. We're, we're going to be real honest. Everybody loves a little authority. Everybody loves a little power. Everybody loves authority. Why? Because with authority, we think power. Oh, preacher, I don't believe it. Watch siblings. Watch how the older sibling, just because they were born first, just because they were birthed into the world first, not by their means, not by their choice, not even by their power tonight, but yet they'll use that position and say, well, I gotta tell you what to do. I, I have the authority here. If mom and daddy are quiet, then I have the say so. Or we say things like this. If I was president, here's what I would do. I'd straighten all this out. Do you know tonight you don't have to be president to help influence something, to help something, to change something tonight? If I was the pastor, here's what I would do. You don't have to wait for that tonight. If that's something that's really that big, you can start now working towards it and desiring it tonight. But we associate authority with power. But one of the things is that when God does place us in those positions of authority, whether it's in the church, whether it's in our family, whether it's on the job site, whether it is just in our, our, our relationships with people, we must pursue and we must serve in that position with integrity. Now, leadership without integrity is just as bad, is just as, bad as disobedient servants. <laughs> in essence, tonight, we're, we're not trying to say, well, this is worse than that or this is better than that. Listen, they're both bad. Right, we're to be obedient servants and when we're called to lead or we're called to, to have that position of authority, we need to be people with integrity here tonight. Those in authority carry the greater burden of responsibility tonight. And so you think, well, I can't wait to be, I can't wait to be here and I can't wait to be so, I can't wait until they give me a name tag. Well, I remember working at Sonic and I was back there in the kitchen and uh, they moved me up to shift leader and then they moved me up to uh, assistant manager and I got me a name tag. <laughs> and nobody knew how to read. What kind of name is Tatton? It's not my name. It's Tatton. My grandma gave it to me out of a baby book. But I remember thinking, I've got a name tag, but that name tag came with a whole lot of responsibility that I wasn't ready for. I'm going to come busting in the doors, throwing food at you. You've ruined their day because you accidentally put mustard on their burger. And they call you all the names under the sun. You ain't living until somebody's cussed you out over a cheeseburger. Been there, done that, had the T-shirt, but I gave it back to him. <laughs> but notice here tonight, yes, there is this, we, 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 here's the, the challenge is when you're in the authority position, you try your best to remind those that are under you of children obey your parents. Servants, 
serve your masters. But really the burden and responsibility to be the person of integrity is not necessarily just on those that are following, but it is more on those who are leading or not. Look at verse number four. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Ah, oh, preacher, pray for my kids. They're disobedient. Let me ask you how you're leading them. So I, I've grown up in a generation and I, I, I've, I, I've, 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 I've bridged the gap from a young, young teenager to a teenager to a young adult and now I, I'm creeping up on middle age. And it's coming faster than I like to admit tonight. But I remember sitting in those services as a teenager and everybody just about cussing out the young people for what they're doing and how they're doing. And I'm thinking to myself, well, somebody taught me how to do this. I learned it from somebody. It's learned behavior. Who'd you learn it from, preachers? Whoever was leading me. Whoever was my leader in life, so to speak. And that's not, so we see tonight that yes, children ought to obey their parents, but that burden of responsibility of leading and, and making sure they're doing right doesn't fall on them alone. It follows on the parent tonight. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. If you want obedient children, you gotta set the right example. You gotta set the right example for them. Uh, I've never seen it ever in my entire life, even in my Christian life as a pastor. I've never seen it work where you say one thing, but then you do something else and you, and you live a different way when nobody else is. I've never seen that work out for good. I've never seen it have the effect that people think it's gonna have, or rather has a, a, a negative effect. But notice here tonight, it says, uh, don't preach one thing and, and, and do something. Now, listen, you're not going to be perfect tonight as you're leading people. You're not going to always, always handle it right or say the right thing. You're going to make mistakes, right? It's a part of life. It, it's going to happen to the best of us. And it's going to happen more probably than we'd like to admit tonight. But I wrote this down in my notes. I said, you won't be perfect, but you can handle your mistakes perfectly. You can learn to, to actually apologize. You can learn to take credit for what you've done wrong and, and, and own up to it tonight and say, listen, that wasn't right. I shouldn't have done that way. Instead of saying, well, you know what? I have the authority to do whatever I want to do. It's not the heart to have tonight. We've got to stand strong in our service tonight, not just being obedient, but when we are called to lead upon, we must do it with integrity. Look at verse number four. You fathers provoke not your children to wrath. And I came across this phrase, but bring them up. But bring them up and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Now as a man, that word nurture and admonition don't sound like words that you associate with manliness, but that phrase, bring them up. So many times we are instructed as, as fathers to, to, to rule with an iron fist. What I say goes, and listen, the father ought to have, have the authority in the whole night. I understand that. I'm a firm believer in that tonight. But at the same time, a lot of times what we like to do because it's more convenient for us is we ask our kids to do things that we don't want to do. Hey, go get me this, go get me that. Not because I'm in desperate, I just don't want to get off the couch right now. I, it, it inconveniences me tonight. But rather that word bring them up means you are literally walking with them. You are raising them up. You are bringing them from where they are to where God desires them to be tonight. And as a father tonight and as a mother and as a leader of people in our life, that ought to be our heart is I'm going to bring them from here to wherever God wants me to take them to. And I'm going to raise them and teach them what needs to be known in their life. But see, it doesn't just happen in the home as well. Look at verse number nine. You masters, do the same things unto them. Forbearing, threatening. 
knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Notice now in 2022 that word masters is probably offending somebody right now. Somebody, I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say right there. There's somebody who's probably offended right now just on that language. We understand what Paul was saying here. We understand who Paul was talking to. But notice here, those who are leading somebody else, those who have the authority over somebody else because of a certain position or because of just how, that's how it is. But notice here tonight, when you are leading somebody, don't forget you might be their master, so to speak, but you still have a master. And he's the master. And you're gonna answer to him. Notice what it says right there in, in verse number nine. It says, and ye masters, lowercase m, right? Do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master, don't forget tonight, you ain't, you ain't ascended that far. You didn't co- climb the company ladder that far that you take the place of God. You still have a master. But notice here, he shows even when it comes to leading people outside of the home, whether it's in you know, this business sense or in a, in a church sense, notice he, he doesn't necessarily give you the whole recipe here tonight, but right there in verse number nine, he does tell you to forbear one thing, threatening. To forbear threatening. You ever met somebody? Worked for somebody? <laughs> they only had one octave level that they talked to at? And it wasn't necessarily, I'm gonna help you learn and help you learn these different things and teach you along the way and guide you where to be. It was things like, you better do that, you're not gonna have a job. Right, you better listen or you'll be walking out of here. That word forbearing literally means to give up. And can I say tonight, when it comes to leading people, whether it's on the job side or even in your home tonight, one of the things you have to realize is that if all, if the only times you can get people to do something is you've got to threaten them, something's off. Something's missing along the way tonight. It ought, it, it ought not to be your only, and I know people like that, right? And I've been that way in my life as well. You gotta do this, or if you don't, I, 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 I'm done with you kind of thing. It's relying on threats. But we gotta be uh, people of integrity when we lead. We gotta be obedient servants tonight. But then we understand that if we're gonna have a strong stance in servant, in essence, we are gonna stand strong where God has placed us to serve. Yes, we're gonna have to understand that it's tied to obedience, and yes, it's tied to integrity, But really, what it all boils down to is that service is a heart issue. Service is a heart issue. Look at verse number two, right? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Verse number two, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee that thou mayest live long on the earth, right? A child's obedience to their parents ought to be tied, why? Because they respect their parents, right? They are, they are honoring their, their mother and father. They are thankful for the mom and dad that God has given them or the one who's raising them that God has given them. I, you could tell, ask any professional, any ex- expert or not, they'll say the reason why the most of our young people are the way they are isn't because the schools aren't trying hard enough. It isn't because uh, uh, Hollywood isn't putting out and TV's not putting out, out, out enough good programs the reason why a lot of the kids are the way they are today is because the homes are falling apart. Right? There, there is no honoring, there is no obedience, and there is no uh, all that because there are no fathers raising up their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, bringing them up in those things. But service is a hard issue. Right? It's one of those things that, and we've, we've tried to instill to our kids that you'll, your obedience will be so much better. Right? You'll be so more willing when you learn to that when we ask you to do things, we're not asking you because we, we are just aggravated with you, but we actually love you and we're trying to help you in, in all these kind of things tonight. It goes on to say right here, 
that, that they may be well with thee, thou mayest live long on the earth. Now, for the longest I thought people who had lived past the age of 70 were just really, really obedient children. Right? They never had any problems. They never had any issues. But here's the thing tonight. I love all my children tonight. But they are born with the same nature that I was born with. They have the same sinful nature that I was born with. They have the same flesh that I have tonight. And so I understand that they're not going to be perfect. There's going to be moments of disobedience and all those kind of things in their life. But we see tonight that if they can grasp that obedience is a hard issue, they will live long on the earth. What do you mean? In essence, we, we obey because it's the right thing to do. We obey in the Lord because he's the one we're to obey. If we're obeying in the Lord, that means we're obeying his word tonight. And what are you trying to say? Here's what I'm trying to say tonight. It's a hard issue. And the obedience to God keeps you from sin. And we all know tonight that sin ages you. Sin adds years to your life. That's why the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Right? We can meet people, we know people who have that lifestyle and are living that way and, and it breaks our heart, but you can see it in their face. Right? Whereas from a young age, if you learn the importance, young people, of obeying God's word and allowing the Holy Spirit to convict your heart when you're about to go the wrong way and do the wrong thing and learning to respond to that in the right way, it'll keep you from sin. In essence, it'll add years to your life because you're not getting involved in the things that take years from your life. In that sense tonight, service is a hard issue. Verses five through seven, our attitudes towards our boss ought to reflect our heart towards Christ. Now, that's a hard one. I've worked for some bosses, amen, that made that verse just about impossible. But yet, with God, all things are possible. And it needs to be genuine tonight, right? Don't, don't go in there and tell them, I'm only doing this because the Bible makes me do it. No. <laughs> Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, respect. Not, I'm not saying go into your boss with your knees knocking, scared to death but in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. In essence, you would want to obey them and as long as they're not asking you to do anything crooked or, or that goes against the word of God tonight, or listen, they ask you to do something at work, you ought to say yes. Just as quickly and just as confidently and just as excited as you would if Christ asked you to do it. Well, that's, that's not always fun though. It's not always enjoyable, but yet that's what Paul or Paul's telling us here in Ephesians. Now listen, if you're gonna come to serve, and here's the thing tonight, you say, well, no, if I get in the ministry and if, and if I get to go here and I get to do that, then I'll learn a real, no, you learn real service where you are. You learn to serve where you currently are in life tonight. And you learn those things. It needs to be genuine as if you're serving the Lord. Verses eight through nine tonight, it goes on to say, knowing that whosoever, whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he bond or free tonight. And so why would Paul say bond or free? Because Paul knew who he was talking to. And Paul knew that some of those that were in the church at Ephesus were, in, were bond servants. They were bound to people. They were paying off debts. And yet there were some who were free. They, they could choose, do what they were. And Paul said, listen, it doesn't matter the position that you're in. He said, really, your heart in the matter is what, what matters here. Our heart should be to please the Lord, no matter which side we're on. And tonight, so many times we are, we are the follower, and sometimes we're the leader. And in any situation, our heart needs to be right with the Lord in those areas that God has called us to serve. No respect to person. He has made this reward available to all tonight. Let me ask you tonight, does your service come from a heart that is right? If you're gonna have a strong, strong stand in service tonight, you're gonna have to have a heart that is right in your service. Our, our stance 
our strong stance in service. Notice number two tonight, our strong stance in our sparring. Now, this is, I use the word sparring because I had two good S's. <laughs> this one I had to make fit. Sparring. <laughs> Who in here has ever heard of LARPing? <laughs> Timothy's heard of it, right? Live action role playing. It's just like the word spelunking. It means you go walk in caves. Don't know who came up with those words, but it's LARPing, live action role playing. And there is a group of people out there in the world that at a given time and at a given place, they meet up and they have full night regalia on, right? Or whatever they are live action role playing as. They'll come in, they'll have the knight's helmet on, the knight's suit of armor, they'll have a shield and they'll have a sword and they'll all come together in one big place and they'll begin to beat the brains out of each other. Right, that's probably not the best description of it, but that's pretty much what's happening. Right, they are pretending as if they live back in, in, in the medieval days and they are hitting each other with swords and, and shields and axes and, and all those kind of things. Here's the thing tonight, they are dressed in the real stuff, but they're fighting a fake battle. Most Christians are the opposite. We are literally fighting a real battle tonight. We are in a real fight, but so many of us run into that fight with fake protection. We run in there with our job security. We run in there with our health and our wealth. And we act like that's what makes us prepared. It ain't none of that tonight. And if we don't have, we don't choose fake protection, we forsake our protection. We know where Roman, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17, that deals with the armor of God. This is if you've been in children's church for three months of your life, you've heard about the armor of God. Right, if you've been to Sunday school any amount of time, you've heard about the armor of God. If you went to Bible college, you've heard about the armor of God. If you sat in church for any time of your life, you know and heard about the armor of God tonight. But just because we hear about it doesn't mean that it gets old or that we are to set I know what that means, preacher. I'm gonna leave that right there. I already know all that, preacher. Because the worst thing you and I can do is walk out into the spiritual battle that we're in without our protection on. Or with fake protection. What we know doesn't work. We often look as, and I was studying this and I came across this. We often look at Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 17 as preparing for a fight. Right, even my point is sparring. And because there is a battle that's going on. We are fighting against principalities. Or there, there's a battle going on, verse number 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness. weakness. There is a real battle going on. Right, and it's not, a, it's not the Democrats versus the Republicans. It is literally good versus evil. It's God versus the world. God versus, now listen, it is a one-sided battle. The Bible tells us God has already won the battle tonight, amen? And we're grateful. I've read the back of the book. We won. They wrote a whole song about it, amen? But tonight we see here that, that yes, there's a battle going on. There's a, there, we are wrestling, and there's this, this back and forth going on. And we are, uh, Paul says, Put on the whole armor of God because this is going on. But notice here tonight, he, he, he outlays all these things. Uh, verse number 12, 14, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Truth holds everything together. Right, that belt holds everything together. Having on the breastplate of righteousness, that covers those vital organs. That covers the heart tonight. And, and you've probably heard it explained that those, those who were in battle on their breastplate would have the emblem of the king that they were fighting for. And I'm glad tonight on my breastplate is the, the emblem of God Almighty tonight. I'm fighting for him. I'm standing for him tonight. Go on to say right there in verse number 15, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. If there's anywhere you and I need to walk tonight, it is in the word of God. 
Right? We need to let this guide us and direct us in our life tonight. Then he goes on to say, taking above the shield of faith. Well, how many glad tonight by faith you've, you're far, far better off than where you were before? You can hide behind faith. Faith works and faith does great things in your life. And he goes on to say, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. What, what is the, your head? That's where your brain is. That's where your mind is. You know tonight that your feet have never doubted your salvation? <laughs> your hands have never doubted your salvation. But it's within that mind, and that's where you've got to take the helmet of salvation, place it over your mind, and say, I know that I'm saved, not because this will have a strong feeling or a strong emotion, but I was obedient to what the Word of God said. I did what the Bible told me to say, and so I am saved for all eternity on the authority of God's Word. The helmet of salvation tonight. Then all is going on to say the sword of the Spirit. That's the Word of God, which is the Word of God tonight. But here's, he tells you to take on the whole armor of God. Now, I was reading this, and oftentimes I've preached it this way, and I think the application works, but we often say, put on the full armor so you can go fight. So you can go to the battle. Take it to the enemy. You know, charge hell with a water pistol. Get ready to fight. <laughs> That's not what Paul said. Paul said, put all that all, put all of that on so you can stand. So you can stand. <laughs> can you imagine that? Getting ready for a football game, you put everything on, and you just go stand out in the middle of the field. What's wrong with that man? Why is he just standing there? Well, that's what the coach told me to do. He just told me to stand here. We said, well, preacher, why? Why would God tell us to put all this armor on so we could just stand? I think it might be because he just wants us to watch him fight the battle for us. So we can stand and watch what he could do. But notice it tonight, even with you put all that on, that is, it's an attack stand. Verse number 11 and verse number 12 tells us Satan doesn't want any Christian standing. All of that is coming at you and against you and for you to attack your stand. But it's also a protected stand. We have the protection that every, and it protects every part of us tonight that we've already mentioned. Well, why does God want us to stand so we can see him fight for us? We need a strong stance in our sparring. We need a strong stance in our standing tonight. Are you standing strong in the battlefield that God has put you in? We see, number one, we need to stand strong in our service. Number two, in our sparring. Then notice, number three tonight, we need a strong stance in our speaking. A strong stance in our speaking. I remember being in Bible college, and one night we were in practice preaching homiletics class, and they would teach us how to formulate a sermon, how to get three points, and and, and how to alliterate them. But then, I remember one night we were going through it and Brother Robbie Burton came behind the, the pulpit that was in the college. He said, now listen, when you get up to preach, it, it, it's, he said, this isn't a, I don't have a biblical verse for this. I don't have a biblical principle for this. I just have a practical explanation here. He said, if you want people to listen to you, if you want people to pay attention to you, he said, when you get up there, do something authoritative. He said, when you walk up there, put both hands on the side of the pulpit and just look at people. He said, you'll get their attention. Right? And I was, from then on out. <laughs> but I remember there was a guy, his name was Brian. I think it was his name. He was like six foot four, 300 pounds. Nicest guy you'll ever meet. He sat in front of us in Bible college. Well, he got called on to practice preach that night. 
And he put that into practice. All six, four, 300 pounds of him came behind that little pulpit and said, Brother Robbie said, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> People are going to listen to you just because of how big you are. But there's a different, and there's different techniques to get people's attention, right? You're at kids, you yell something like this, who's ready to have fun? Everybody's listening because they want to have fun. But in sometimes a situation, you can just whisper. Now, well, how many would like for me to explain the great truth of God's word tonight? Oh, amen. Talk, preacher, tell me. Tell me, preacher, right? And this is like, when it, when it comes to, we got to have a strong stance in our speaking. It's not just necessarily how we're saying it, but what we're saying and why we're saying it. And Paul said, I got to have a strong stance in my private speech. Look at verse number 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. What was his private speech? His prayers. His praying. Corporate's prayer. When we pray here at church, it's wonderful. It's great. It adds to the service. But real power is found in private prayer. In the closet of your house, so to speak, where nobody else is around, and Paul said, if I'm going to stand strong, I've got to pray always with all prayer, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Here's the thing tonight. Paul was in prison. Paul couldn't go out and, and solve these churches' problems. Paul couldn't go out and, and show up and put everything into order. Paul had to rely on the Holy Spirit to give him what to say that would help these churches. Paul had to have his, his, his private speech right tonight. His prayers were right tonight. Let me ask you tonight, how often? How often do you have private prayer with the Lord? Just you and him. Nobody else around. Notice his private speech. Notice his public speech. Notice this, he listed his private before his public. And that's how it ought to be in the Christian life. We've got it backwards, right? As long as a man sounds good and looks good in, in the public, everything must be right in his private life. It's not necessarily true every time tonight. But we see here tonight that notice his, his private speech and then notice his public speech. Verse number 19. As, and for me, the utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul said, pray. Ask the Lord. And he said, I pray for myself that God would give me boldness when I, when I preach the mystery of the gospel, that Christ in you, that God can save people and God can change people's lives. He said, that I open my mouth boldly. Two things Paul wanted to speak boldly about. One, the gospel, verse number 19. Verse number 20 is testimony. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul said it twice. Here's the great man that we say, outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's probably the greatest man to ever live. Probably one of the greatest Christians to ever walk in shoe leather. Paul, I mean, he's, he's responsible for the majority of our New Testament. He's responsible for Christianity coming to where we are today. He, he, he started, God used him in a mighty way. And here he is, help me to be bold. Help me to be bold. How many times does Satan come to you and say, how many times are you going to pray that? How many times are you going to ask for boldness? You're a terrible Christian for asking. You ought to already have that. Here's Paul saying Pray that God would give me boldness. Pray that God would give me the ability to be bold when I speak publicly about the gospel and what the gospel has done for me. Now, boldness is not arrogance. Right? There's some people, you'll meet them. There's that, 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 that emotion of arrogance that comes off of them. That's not what I'm talking about tonight. I, I'm, not, I'm not asking God to help us to be smart Alex and to trap people and to make them feel dumb about what they know. 
But rather, I'm asking God to give us boldness for the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, give me boldness for my testimony because, Lord, it is special not just to me, but, Lord, it's, it's special to him tonight. God has given me a testimony not so I can say, well, that's a wonderful thing, but so I can share it with others tonight. And so many times the devil will say, well, your testimony doesn't line up with their testimony. You can't help them. You've never been where they are. That may be true. I may not have been in the same location they've been and done the same things they've done, but they need the same gospel that I needed. We need to have boldness in our public speech, in our private speech. Then he even asked for productive speech. Verses 21 through 22, but that you may know my affairs and how I do and Tychius, a beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, shall make known to you all things. Right? But Paul wasn't bragging here. Paul said when, when Tychius, or however you say his name, comes to where you are, here's what I want. Here's, when, I, when, when he tells you what I said, here's what I want it to do for you. I want it to comfort your hearts in verse number 22. Whom I have said unto you for the same purpose that he, you might know our affairs, that he might comfort your hearts. Paul said, I wanted him to come and tell you that everything's all right. God's still on the throne. I'm in prison. I'm bound up, but Jesus is still alive. We serve a risen Savior. Comfort your hearts. Everything's fine. So I want my speech to comfort hearts. tonight. I want my, my speech to extend peace. Look at verse number 23. Peace be to the brethren. Peace be to the brethren. Love with faith from God to the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I don't want to be known as one who causes division. I don't want to be one known who causes and separates God's people. I just want to be one that my speech comforts hearts, my speech extends peace, and my speech applies grace. Verse number 24, grace be with all of them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Boy, I want every person who's saved by the grace of God to understand and to grow and to acknowledge and to, to learn just how wonderful that grace is. And I want my speech to be a help to that and not a hindrance to that tonight. I want a strong stance in my speech. I want to speak boldly but I also want to speak out of love tonight. Let me ask you tonight, does your speech, or is your speech about the Lord barely there, or is it boldly there? Well, if we're going to stand strong, we have to stand strong in these three areas, in our speaking, our sparring, and our service tonight. How are you standing in those three areas tonight? Let's pray.